Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast for this week in August 2018. And uh, my name is Andy Johnson. I'm the host, along with my co-host, Dan Peisner. Hi, Dan. Hi there, Andy. Dan is my not only my co-host on this presentation, but also my co-author of the AICPA Multi-State Income Tax course that you can search for on Google and go over there and take it because... Uh, you're going to need some information if you're an e-com seller uh, on how to do multi-state income tax returns, especially if you're a tax advisor. But I digress. So, uh, Dan, we've got some work to do on that course as well to update it for uh, not only the new tax laws, but uh, in connection with the Wayfair ruling. Certainly. That's, uh, looking forward to that particular project this year. Are you really? Yeah, I always like diving in and, and uh, following the changes, uh, looking at looking at uh, where things are going, and uh, oh, I always come out of it with some some good information that, that we can use to help our clients. Awesome, I'm glad you are because uh, we're going to have to dig in this year. I was just reading an article about the relative benefits of switching. Now that the corporate tax rate is a flat 21 percent. You might think that if you're a pass-through entity like an S-Corp, you might want to switch over to a C-Corp, but it gives a lot of good reasons why that might not be a good solution uh, because it takes a while under the new Tax Reform Act to get up to the 21% level for an individual. So a lot of interesting things that we're going to have to address. Most certainly, and I think uh, I'll to speak into what you said, I think a lot of people are paying close attention to, to some of the partnership rules coming out under the, the new tax. And I think that is, uh, we've, I know we've, we've had a couple of clients doing that and, uh, we encourage anybody that, that is looking at that to not only look at the federal tax implications, but state tax implications. There's a, a number of states that do radically tax C corps and S corps very differently. So that uh, brings up a point that <clears throat> we're going to, uh, we should do it in one of our upcoming episodes, just address some income tax questions for e-commerce businesses. You know, most of this is all about sales tax, but um, income tax will become a bigger and bigger issue, don't you think? I do. I think now that they the, uh, the states have kind of uh, finally got as uh, as one state official put it, they've they've been chasing the bus on sales tax for so long. They find the dog finally caught the bus, and they have no clue what to do with it. <laughs> I think the next bus that they're going to be chasing is going to be the income tax to a degree, and that's once they start bringing their their nexus departments to bear on it. It's a little bit of a, a different beast, and there's a different considerations. But I I think that that may be to some extent the next frontier that we start seeing pop up more. Yeah, so if you have some uh, some questions regarding income tax, go ahead and submit those, and we will try to address some of those in an upcoming episode. But today, Dan, I wanted to talk about just some of the complexities in sales tax, and I want to get to why there are different sales tax rates. Some states have just a state rate. Some states have a multitude of local rates, and then the complexities of computing or calculating which rate or determining which rate should be charged. But I, I came across this uh, article um, on Avalara's website that I think is interesting about some of the more bizarre taxes out there. 
And get this, Dan, I don't know if you've seen this. This is some things that I didn't know. <clears throat> in Alabama, you have to pay a 10 cent tax on any pack of cards that contains 54 or fewer cards in the deck. <laughs> However, the seller must also pay a dollar and an annual tax of $3. Guess they're trying to discourage card playing or something. Not sure what that the origin of that is. Candy, I, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say I would love to see the legislative history on that bill to see what they were thinking. Um, I mean, I've I always thought the amusement taxes were interesting, but that's a that's a different one. They they must have just tried to. Uh, this must go back a lot of years when a dollar was a lot. Uh, so it's considered a vice to play cards, and that was just a way to discourage that vice or make money from the card players, probably. All right, candy and food is always interesting. But here's something from Illinois. Illinois levies 5% sales tax on candy, uh, where there are very specific definitions to understand. For example, Whoppers. You like Whoppers, Dan? Yes, I do. Me too. My, Diane, my wife, Diane, does not like those. I like them. Um, anyway, Whoppers are not taxed, not considered candy, I guess. That's good. It's a health food. But lemon drops are taxed. Interesting. Um, in Minnesota, there is a fur tax. So if an item of clothing is comprised of three times more fur, then the next most valuable material used to make it, businesses must pay a 6.5% tax on whatever they receive for the sale, shipping, and other charges. Man. Uh, that's, a, that's a luxury goods tax right there. That's, that's going after the, the mink coats and the, 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 the high-end fur coats. Uh, makes me wonder, uh, again, that some of, these, some of these really weird local taxes, you, you hear about them and you just want to see there's always a story behind them that they're that either somebody lobbied for it or it was some it was some legislator's uh, pet project. It's always you always kind of want to see what led them to down this path to to go after that industry specifically. Yeah, I I, I can guess on some of these. Uh, on other cases, it has nothing to do with lobbying. It's everything to do with. It's, you got to draw a line somewhere, like food versus uh, groceries versus like restaurant food. So everyone would agree probably that uh, we shouldn't tax basic groceries because sales tax is considered a regressive tax and it's not paid according to your income. Um, so it makes sense if a, that a state might exempt groceries. But then once you put an exemption in there, because, Dan, tell me again what the rule is on exemptions. Exemptions are always construed strictly against the taxpayer. They are the antithesis of equal taxation. That's the word I was looking for. Since they are the antithesis of fair and equal taxation, then if the legislature says groceries are exempt, the legislature, not the legislature, the regulators usually have to dis decide what does food mean. So there has to be a line somewhere. And anytime you're close to that line, it's going to look like, what kind of a crazy line is this? So typically they would say food is not 
taxable, but food from a restaurant is. So food from a restaurant is something that's prepared, ready to eat, and uh, those aren't poor people. We want them to pay tax. So now what if a grocery store sells food and food ready to eat? <clears throat> so what food do you think of if I say New York? Pizza. Oh, good one. Uh, how about bagels? Does bagels come to mind? They do. So in New York, any bagel that has been sliced or prepared with toppings is subject to sales tax. But if you sell it whole and, and it's consumed outside of the store, there is no tax. So that's just trying to decide where is the line between food and food ready to eat. All right. So <clears throat> that's, that's just a, a sampling of some of the interesting rules out there and some speculation about why there are different rules. Sometimes it's lobbying. Sometimes it's just a matter of trying to uh, just come up with a definition because you, you got to define things once you exempt them. But Dan, the other complicated thing I want to address today is just these local rates because there's something on the order of 12,000 taxing jurisdictions all with their own local rates. Um, so how is a seller supposed to know what tax rate to charge? Well, there's some really great services that you can look up online and uh, you can look up the rate. So um, Avalara has a great resource for that. TaxJar has a good resource, great resource for looking up sales tax rates. And, uh, you know, you can download tables, in some cases free. Uh, you can subscribe to tables of tax rates. We do all these things um, because our clients need them. But I just want to talk about, in general, how do you determine what rate to charge? So sales tax rates, so there's 45 states plus D.C. that have a sales tax. And in some states, there's just one blanket state tax rate. I think there are nine or ten of those states uh, that have just the state rate. And then there are local district, local taxes, um, sometimes stadium districts, sometimes metropolitan tra uh, transportation districts, special, um, I don't know, what are some other special designations you see in local taxes? City, county. Cities, counties. Um River districts, uh, stadium airport, di airport airport districts, stadiums, uh, any transits are always a, a popular one. You have creating special taxing district to to fund the to fund your uh, your light rail and your your bus lane your your bus service. Um, some some states are pretty big on some states. The the schools are, are near, the the school zones are nearly their their own return. Or at least they used to be. I don't know if they performed that, but but it's uh, the dizzying array to to try to keep up with them all. One uh, special tax you didn't mention is the scientific and cultural facilities district tax. That sounds like Colorado. Hey, very good, man. So that's actually if you sold something to somebody in Centennial, Colorado, and you had Nexus there, you would charge them six point seven five percent. And that's made up of the Colorado state rate of 2.9. So 
So if you made the mistake and said, hey, what's the rate of tax in Colorado? Google might tell you it's 2.9 and you would charge 2.9, but you would be forgetting the Arapahoe County tax, which is 0.25%. You'd be forgetting the city of Centennial, which is 2.5%. You'd be forgetting the regional transportation district tax, which is 1%. And not to be left out would be the scientific and cultural facilities district, the SCFD, 0.1%, all totaling up to 6.75. So um, you would not want to miss out. You know, if you charge 2.9, you're missing out on, uh, oh, what is that? That's 3% of the tax, two and a half, three, three and a half, almost 4% of, of the tax that you should be charging or four out of six, which would be like 80%, right? So yeah. you'd, you'd really be missing it if you just Googled what should I charge in Colorado. Well, and, and uh, to, make, to muddy the waters even further, Andy, uh, Colorado is one of the handful of states where the, the distinction between a sales tax and a use tax really matters because if you, if you have a, a place of business uh, in the state of Colorado, and you're talking about a sales tax, then there's a lot of the local districts have a sales tax, uh, but not all of them have a use tax. So if you're a, an out-of-state seller selling into Colorado, you may actually have a legitimate lower rate that you have to collect uh, yeah. because not all of the state-administered local jurisdictions have a use tax. Uh, and then as, as one additional, uh, and just because it's not complicated enough in Colorado, they are also what is known as a home rule state, which means that a, a lot of the substantial uh, in cities actually have their authorization to administer their own sales and use taxes. So you, that centennial, uh, I believe, is one of them. So potentially, you could have to, if you've got nexus with centennial, not only do you have to collect the Colorado, uh, potentially the use tax or the sales tax, but you would also have to collect the centennial tax and, and re report it on two separate returns. So the, the they've really, uh, they, the, the local tax can be all kinds of interesting. Yep. Yep. Dan, what are some of the big states that, that are the most simple in terms of rates, meaning they only have the state rate and that's all you have to worry about? As far as the, some of the, the single rate states, uh, your Massachusetts is, is probably one of the bigger ones that, that pops up for most people. Rhode Island's a, a smaller one. Uh, Michigan and Indiana are both single rate. Uh, Kentucky's not a, not, not a more common one, but they, uh, they just, they just jumped on board the Wayfair train. So they're going to start popping up for more people. And, um, I think that, and then Maine. Maine is also on there. Uh, they've they're all they've also jumped on board the Wayfair train. But even even with that, uh, Maine's usually not a big one for most sellers. Uh, but they are they are single rate, and it is a very easy return to prepare. Uh, oh, New Jersey, New Jersey should also be on that list, I believe, unless they finally right. pop. Yeah, well, New Jersey's. And what about Connecticut? Connecticut, I believe you're right. So there's nine or 10 states that, uh, at least from a rate perspective, they're not that complicated. But as you mentioned, 
some some states are really complicated, especially like Colorado, uh, Texas. So Dan, Texas is one of those states that's that we refer to as like a modified origin state. So in just a few minutes, can you just rattle off how to determine what local taxes are due? And this is assuming it's an in-state sale. Okay, so you have a warehouse or a place of business in Texas and you're delivering to another customer in Texas. Quick note, be sure when you're, when you're looking at these, Always look to see if a state does define a warehouse as a place of business. I don't believe Texas does. No, um, no. Okay. That's why I was saying it's either from a warehouse or from a place of business. If you if you have a sale from a place of business in Texas, so you've got a you've got a sales office, uh, whatnot, and you're making a sale, then it is origin based. Uh, if you're meaning that you charge the tax based on the rate at the office at which the sale was made. If you've got one location in Texas, it's really, it's typically going to flow out of that location. If you've got multiple locations, they look to where was the order received. Uh, in the age of e-commerce, good luck with that one. <laughs> um, where, whereas with something like uh, the, the flip side with something like fulfillment by Amazon, where the, the order is considered received out of state and your only in-state presence is a distribution warehouse, which is typically not considered to be a place of business in Texas. It is, in fact, destination source, meaning that you have to put, pick the tax based on the, uh, the location of your customer. So rather than having just the single rate of your, your office, you've got to track the uh, not only track but report multiple locations. Uh, and and uh, Texas has a... a Texas, the, the local tax can cap at eight and a quarter percent with combined state and local, but you can get cities can have a rate, the counties can have a rate, uh, you get transit districts, and you also get these multiple special purpose districts that they form for whatever reason. And you have to find, you have to report every one of them that, uh, especially if you're an out of state seller, that your, your tax goes into. Provided that it doesn't exceed 8.25. Correct. And that's, to my knowledge, Texas is one of the only states that does that, that, that yeah. has a hard cap of eight and a quarter for locals. And it, so there has to be an assigned order of these taxes because it cannot, the overall tax rate cannot exceed 8.25 and you can't collect a partial of any of the different types of taxes. So it could be legitimate that on a sale... Uh, you could only be collecting 7.75 because it dropped off half a percent because that was the city tax or what have you, because that's the last in the hierarchy. Exactly. It's a uh, local, local tax getting to down to the, the nitty gritty mechanics of the local tax is something that you want to leave up to your taxes. Uh, you do not, it's not something that you want to be doing on any kind of a regular basis because it's a, uh, it, it typically it's something you only get into on audit defense when the auditor is already in the office and you're, you're looking for every little scrap to throw at them. Yeah. So we had this um, software seller that had a big sales tax audit in Texas and um, was not collecting the local tax right. <clears throat> I won't say exactly what they were doing, but they just weren't doing it correctly. So in their case, 
Uh, I agree with you, Dan. This is something that you should leave to an automated provider. Uh, the determination of what local tax to collect if you have a volume of transactions, for sure. But in an audit, like you mentioned, you're looking at every possible way. And in this case, our argument was, I'm sure you remember this, Dan, that uh, for all these local taxes, they didn't have enough nexus to collect the local taxes. And uh, so we had to make that argument, and it was actually a really good argument when we finally uh, sifted through all the real facts and where they had employees and where they had contractors and what those contractors were doing. So in an audit, you're looking for every possible way. When you're not in an audit, you're looking to be conservative because if you only collect 2.9% in Colorado on a shipment to Centennial where you have Nexus, um, then you're, you're going to be on the hook for another 4% of tax roughly. And if you, know, you add all those up after four or five years and you get nailed on audit, there's really nothing you can do. You just have to come out of pocket with your own, uh, with tax that you could have collected from the customer. So that's what we're trying to avoid. So Dan, I think that's enough for today's presentation, enough for our podcast today, talking about some of the more uh, strange sales tax laws out there, and then about how do you decide what local tax to charge and what are some really good resources that are free you to look up specific tax rates by address and we'll put all of that in the show notes and Dan it sounds like we'll be doing some income tax in some episodes to come so thank you so much for being with us thank you Dan and thank you to all of our listeners we appreciate it send in your questions and we'll try to cover them in a future episode Dan with that talk to you later all right